Today in the Marshall Pro Podcast, we have a long overdue, I believe it's fourth, third or fourth edition of the Reporters Roundtable. I am Marshall Pruitt. I cover IndyCar and IMSA. Boy, there actually hasn't been a ton there to talk about, but Kelly Crandall, who covers NASCAR. Oh, Kel, you poor thing. And Chris Medland, Snoop Medley Med, the man who covers Formula One for Racer. Two of you. I mean, the volume of work you have generated since our last episode when the world has changed significantly. It's almost an old-timey previous episode where we have had multiple people of color murdered here in the country. We have seen social uprising and change that has spread beyond our borders, Chris, as we know, obviously. As seen last weekend in Formula One, Kelly, from nooses to President Trump taking aim at one of the drivers in your series to, I don't even know where we should start. Maybe let's start with Chris, just because you've had the most recent race uh, to talk about here. Also, Formula One start of the season, proper start of the season. Bring us inside the world of covering the Austrian Grand Prix, all the pre-race ceremonies that took place, this initiative that Formula One has kicked off. A lot of things to do with racing and absolutely nothing to do with racing. Yeah, I kind of forgot there's a race that happens, to be honest, with everything else that's gone on. I mean, even today, as we record this, we just had huge news with um, Fernando Alonso coming back in 2021. So it's been... uh, been quite a week uh there was a little bit of concern i'd say that as the weekend went on in austria the first part was can we get going safely again um obviously with the travel and international movement it was more a little bit more complex i think than um some of the uh work that got on with nascar and indycar to get going uh it was similar but there was just a few more hurdles to jump over so um focus was first on getting a restart that was safe but then it was all about what the driver's going to do before the race um F1 had come up with this initiative called We Race As One. It was a hashtag. There were rainbows all over all the cars and around the circuit. Um, and they wanted to make a stand saying that they were determined to help end racism. And then it quickly evolved into, well, what are they going to do? And you've got drivers of all sorts of nationalities, backgrounds, ages. Um, and they just essentially just couldn't level on doing the exact same thing all at once. And it threatened to kind of detract from the main point, which was that everyone was um, very much supportive of trying to change things for the better. Uh, everyone wanted to do their part. Um, but because not everyone was going to um, show that support in the exact same way, it was nearly kind of wedged in that they were, um, you know, like, as, well, used as a wedge to divide them, which would have been a travesty, if I'm honest. Uh, it was it was quite worrying that that became like the, the main topic of conversation on Saturday night and Sunday morning. But fortunately, um once the protest took place before the race on Sunday, um, we had 14 drivers take an E, six didn't, but the six didn't still wore T-shirts with slogans, um, a clear message to end racism on them. They were holding them up or pointing to them or doing their own kind of thing. Uh, but we did have all 20 drivers on the grid at the front uh, before the national anthem kind of making a point. Uh, and then we got a mega race. So um, I think it, it almost 
the racing actually saved us a little bit, I think, because if that had been a really boring race, all of the talk would have been on, why did six drivers do it differently? Uh, and I think that would have been wrong. So, yeah, it, it, it nearly got very political on Sunday, but I think we just about got through it. I'll ask this of you in just a little bit, Kelly. So you are a motor racing reporter. Your passion, interest, specialty involves drivers, teams, on-track performance, nuances, management styles, funding levels, vehicular innovations. I don't know if prior to what took place here in Minnesota with George Floyd's killing, you had done much reporting in the sport revolving around race, equality, systemic, everything. Personal level, Chris, what has it been like having to do dual lanes of reporting? Because that has been a part of Formula One's path, largely driven by, if not completely driven uh, from the outset by Lewis Hamilton. What has it been like from a reporting standpoint, knowing that you're not just going to be doing that interview with Esteban Ocon about engine upgrade number three for the upcoming race, but some very heavy societal topics. And then also admittedly some of the blowback that hits you and every reporter that ventures into that lane. Yeah, it is tricky. Um, I'll admit what I've found hardest, I guess, is to report, um, Lewis in the right way because he's clearly the most outspoken driver he's the one that really wants to lead this and you can see how much it means to him and you don't want to take that away from him or belittle it at the same time it can get leveled at you as a reporter that all you're doing is asking Lewis the questions about this hard topic and and talking about what he says and not what anyone else is saying Um, which wasn't true I mean I reported quite a lot about uh, what a number of other drivers said or did in the build-up um, but it is true that when it sort of came to it during the race weekend, um, your, the majority of those stories revolved around Lewis. Uh, and there were some other comments from other drivers, Roman Grosjean, I wrote a report about when he said in the build-up that he was going to take a knee. Um, and it's just, it is a balancing act because you want to make sure, like I've been trying to educate myself in it a little bit. Um, obviously, you have to sort of know uh, what I'm talking about to a certain extent, but you also then need to allow whatever a driver says to just come out in a story and, and put across their point of view without imposing your own in there. So it's been quite a tricky balancing act. And um, yeah, there's been a few times, I think Kelly spotted it during the weekend where uh, we had a press conference on Saturday and uh, Lewis said about what he might do. He was asked directly, are you going to take a knee? What are you going to do? Um, and he said he hadn't thought about it yet, but that they'd been talking about what they were going to do in the driver's briefing. And he said he spoke to a few, or he spoke in there and he said that that briefing was interesting and the way he said interesting, I was like, oh, that sounds like he's not too happy. And everything we'd heard up to them was, you know, everyone was on the same page. It was all um, a lot of solidarity. And I was like, well, that sounds like not quite going so smoothly. But the only, the only fair thing to do was to ask him. So I followed up and asked him the question. I said, you said interesting in a certain way. How do you mean? Are you, is there anyone you're unhappy with or anything you're unhappy with? Um, or flip side, is there anything particularly positive you want to highlight? Uh, and he kind of did both. He did say that there were some drivers that weren't um, quite educated enough in his view. And he didn't really use it as a criticism of them, but he was saying that he needed to kind of get viewpoints across still. Uh, and there was others that he was really 
proud of and had thanked for speaking out and using their platform. Uh, but that was the point where he used the the example that he'd said to the drivers that w- were maybe sitting on the fence or weren't going to do something that, in his view, silence is complicit in this um, scenario. And that was quite an inflammatory thing to say. Um, I don't think it was actually meant directly to really uh, annoy any drivers, but um, that made it very clear that he wasn't completely um, comfortable or happy with what he was getting from the rest of the drivers on the grid. And then someone else asked another question about, well, if they don't all take a knee alongside you, does that highlight that there's an issue in F1? And he said, oh, it doesn't matter. We've got an issue. Like, we don't need tomorrow to happen um, to to highlight that. So it was clear there was an issue. But I came out and said that he'd called the driver briefing interesting. I didn't uh, tweet any of the inflammatory quotes because I needed to get them 100% spot on and they were going to go in the story, or more likely they were going to go in the story. Uh, and I got absolutely hammered from a few people saying that I was being racist and trying to cause a divide. Um, so it's hard. Yeah, you're trying to report that these guys are heroes and you'd love to just talk about tired egg and race pace and stuff. But, but at the same time, they're doing something really, really difficult and brave. Uh, and you're trying to almost highlight just how hard it is for them to get right and how complex the situation is and, and all the different aspects that are involved. So, yeah, it's been a, it's been a time where you get a few headaches trying to work out the best way to report it. But... Um, I think it's better that than we weren't talking about it at all. Kelly, <laughs> uh, I tell you, NASCAR has been a fascinating series to observe, knowing that, just as Chris mentioned, with their first race back and social issues and agendas being incorporated into uh, F1's return, You've been in this space for more than a month now. It has been a seesaw of emotions, I would have to imagine, with unity, support for Bubba, hoax, uh, Bubba Smollett, uh, just, what, Reddick posting something in support of Bubba, and that tweet then getting taken down quickly, Jimmy Johnson catching the Corolla virus. <laughs> it's it. This has been, I would have to assume, tell us, uh, this has to have been a fairly mental more than a month for you as a reporter. And you also have not, uh, been able to completely avoid the slings and arrows when you venture into writing about race, politics, and otherwise as well. Yeah, it's been, I believe if I did the math correctly in the last 85 days, Kyle Larson's been fired. The Confederate flag was banned. There was all of that coming together for racial inequality that we saw at Atlanta and all the videos and social media. The noose incident at Talladega. The president tweeting about Bubba Wallace and the flag. And then Jimmy Johnson gets a positive test result for the coronavirus. So That's just in the last 80 plus days that the sport has had to navigate. And yes, some of it has been, I believe they've done a great job of making their way through all of it, through the chaos, the controversy. I think that they've held their head high for the most part. Some of it's been a little bit disappointing. I thought their statement could have been a little stronger after what the president tweeted the other day, but on the other hand, you know, do you really want to pick a, a fight with somebody who likes to pick fights, essentially? 
Mm. So, um, you know, not only was he late, not only was he late to the party on that incident being a couple weeks old, but then to have so much be false in that tweet is is disappointing. So it has been um, very crazy, very emotional, like you said, and Chris touched on it in his world as he's now dealing with it. You know, social media brings out sometimes the worst in people and even just reporting facts and reporting statements from nascar or reporting what the fbi says you still get accused of being um either a racist or race baiting as people say people have been saying uh, that's been in my mentions a few times so that's been disappointing um yeah it's it's been so much more about what's gone on off the racetrack that sometimes i've got to be honest i don't even remember what has happened on the racetrack um except for those three hours where we fire the engines and you're focusing on who's doing what at indianapolis or who's doing what at pocono so yeah the last 80 plus days as i said have been just an incredible roller coaster I, I don't remember a season in which it seems like so much off the track has overshadowed and, and in a way been more important than what has gone on on the racetrack. So I know I think we've said it a few times in the many podcasts that we've done already. This is going to be a very memorable year for many, many reasons. Next question I'd love to get your thoughts on. Take a second to set it up. So if I'm looking at IndyCar, we have seen that they've been more or less late, if not one of the last, to weigh in with some form of improve opportunities, racial equality, etc. initiative. They just announced that. And it's a wholly incomplete program or plan. That There's no teeth to it at all there's no, there's nothing behind it yet there's a lot of ambition behind it but there's no real program in place nascar's had such a thing for a while formula one's announced it their own a while ago we still don't know all the details chris but i'm looking at one of the things i've heard could be a reason why indycar has been slow on the uptake here and it is due to its demographics one being an older white male. Again, not a bad thing. I'm one of those people. Um, a fear of pushing too hard with racial equality programs and banners and ads and really going too quick and too hard in the addition or the amplification of this for fear of driving off their primary fan base the counter argument that I've heard, which I believe in, and I actually wage the argument as well, the kids that we see out demonstrating in the street calling for gender equality, racial equality, etc., etc., those are potentially our next set of fans to replenish whatever aging fan base. Seems to be a little bit of a push and pull question here. Give me your thoughts. Let's, let's stay with you, Kelly, on have you seen a line? Have you felt any line or, or feedback, pushback from the cup side, be it driver, team owner, or just fans on the current status? Those who love the sport saying, yeah, you keep pushing too hard on this stuff. 
you might lose me altogether versus, but Hey, maybe this would appeal to new fans who didn't know about us. Now that we're showing that we're standing up for the same things they're out in the street pushing for. Seems like this, this could be a thing that either saves our sport or jeopardizes our sport. If too many people jump off right now because of this non-racing agenda. Yeah, I definitely would think that's a concern. Everything that I have seen and heard and felt from the responses and the actions from the teams, the drivers, and from NASCAR themselves is they believe strongly in moving forward in a positive direction. They they believe in making it clear they are welcome, welcoming and, and accepting of all fans and all drivers and if that means that they're going to lose people who don't believe in that they seem to be okay with that because they believe they're doing the right thing Mm. they they would rather have a sport that is open and welcome and loved by all than feel like they are not doing enough so i have gotten the impression that they are okay upsetting people who want to fly the confederate flag at the racetrack if that means that you're not going to upset a you know a, a, another group of people they would they they if because that makes people uncomfortable they want to do away with that you can go fly your confederate flag at your house you just can't do it on nascar property anymore so no they're not telling you how to feel they're just telling you what you can and can't do when you read the back of your ticket to go to a NASCAR race. So I've gotten the impression from teams and drivers that they want to be about change. They want to be about positivity and love and loving all and welcoming all. And they don't seem all that concerned about pushing people away. What about you, Chris? I can tell you that in reading the boy comments on say outside of, well, I don't actually read the, I try not to read the comments on racer, but reading the comments, whether it could be a UK sports site talking about F1 this past weekend in particular, some of the questions of the taking a knee, not taking a knee, Lewis Hamilton making demands in the driver's meeting, which was again, uh, a false presentation there, false premise and such. I can tell you that if we're just talking comment section which is not always the maybe the finest slice of humanity boy there's a seems to be a lot of people who sure are not big fans of race equality anything else being brought into the sport you gotten any feel yet again in just one race weekend i know it's not a big sample but gotten a feel yet as for whether formula one is risking alienating a big fan base uh, or possibly attracting new folks who might not have known before they took a stance. I think there's a little chance of some alienation. Yeah. Um, in the same way that Kelly just explained, but then there's, it's needed, I think, because I think we'd be alienating people potentially that really do need to think, why am I feeling alienated? Why am I not being accepted here now? What, what am I needing to look at that, might um, answer that question. So, uh, I mean, I always felt that there wasn't um, any sort of strong racism within F1. I'd 
seen I've been to a race myself and had fans that uh, in Spain that had been quite racist towards Lewis uh, and when I was there as a fan and that really annoyed me but that was back in 2010 uh, he'd had it before then as well even worse uh, but then it seemed to be improving anyway on that level but within the paddock I'd never seen anything like that obviously we traveled to a lot of different countries and cultures uh, never really felt it was an issue uh, and then uh, there's a guy called Sam Collins, I think you know, Marshall, um, who does a lot of technical work, um, used to race himself. He's like excellent journalist uh, and does some commentary as well. And he um, has been working there for quite a while now. And he mentioned it to me um, over Twitter when things were happening that he'd had it a little bit in his past and that certain things were really annoying him with the way people were sort of having an argument um, in comment sections or on social media. So we did a pod- podcast between the two of us just to discuss his experience. And it surprised me. I didn't realise... Um, some of the stuff he'd had that was troublesome, but some of the stuff he'd had actually when he it benefited him as a minority in the sport. And um, yeah, we it was like, oh, that was, that was good to do, learned a fair bit. And then he was doing one of the tech videos on Friday on the F1 YouTube channel. And the abuse that was in it, uh, in the comment section, it, it, to, it didn't appear to be the majority by any stretch. Um, but there had clearly been an ignorance as well. The amount of people that were saying that F1 was just trying to fulfil a quota or that was tokenism, that he was on this show and that, that they were just reacting and that they were weak for doing that. And that it was even worse just to put a black guy up um, doing a tech report uh, to try and appease people. And he'd been doing the job for 18 months and he's excellent at it. Um, unfortunately, uh, it didn't take long for people that do pay attention and people that do understand, both in terms of I'd say wider world issues, but certainly their racing were like, no, this guy's brilliant. I don't care about his race. He's excellent. Also, for you, idiots, he's been doing this for years. So F1 hasn't just jumped on a bandwagon here. Um, and slowly that seemed to drown out um, the initial comments. So it's, I always find that you get a noisy minority and it does worry you. And obviously I mentioned the, the Twitter abuse I got over the weekend from only a few people. And that's the thing. It sticks in your mind, but, um, if you look at it the other way around, followers have been rocketing because we're back racing uh, and win the limelight in international sport. And there's been a lot going on and people want to know what's going on. So I don't think it's hurting F1's popularity by any stretch. Uh, right now, they can't make that much money off people going to races. So they don't need to worry about people not buying tickets. They do need to worry about people maybe subscribing to watch on television. But if they put on a show like they did on Sunday on the track, people are going to do that anyway. Uh, and that's why I think they, they're not they're kind of exclusive items. F1 can go in whichever direction it wants um, to try and improve things and um, and, get, and give off the stance it wants to give, even if it alienates people. Because whatever it says and does, once, once the lights go out and racing starts, if it's putting on a good show there, then these people that are feeling alienated are still going to get drawn in. Uh, and in that sense, and hopefully that's how we instigate changes, because around all that racing, People are starting to see, oh, I'm, I'm, I, fe- I seem to be in the minority here. Other people are saying that I should be more accepting. So hopefully that is how a sport can start to make things a little bit better. Known Sam for a long time, worked with him for 13, I, for, no, I shouldn't say exactly how long because I'm not totally sure, but at least 10 years at Race Car Engineering Magazine. Yeah, dear friend. Not sure about the brilliant part. I mean, that's that, that's very, very uh, kind of you to, yeah, first person to ever say that about Sam. But uh, yeah, nonetheless, I'll just tell you again, you mentioned the, the series coming back with F1 and followers and such. I've found it amusing. I don't genuinely care, but I, fo- I do find it amusing that I was noticed that I was at a threshold 
on Twitter followers of moving up to the next one, next thousand. And notice that I'd crossed that threshold slightly and was like, Oh, cool. Post a story. I don't, it might not have even been mine, but something could have been something you wrote, Chris, that had to do with race and formula one could have been sharing something of yours, Kelly, about something related to Bubba NASCAR and whatever. And boop, whole bunch of folks unfollow me. I'll post something about just racing, IndyCar, track, driver, interview, whatever. Followers come up. Post something maybe I write about race, gender, equality. Twitter. Followers go down. So it's actually been I can tell you funny. Partly because of the quality of the writing from Kelly and I. Certainly from my side. I didn't want to have to say that. But... um, going to be a little bit of a shorter episode today just because we all have to go do things here very shortly kelly would love to uh at least jump off here uh, from your side of things what do you anticipate the rest of your season of coverage of nascar will be like on this topic which again it's the one that's been dominating everything we do of race equality inclusion etc do you anticipate a point where it will just become normalized and not written about so much uh again barring more attacks from whichever people um on various people in the sport but do you anticipate what's been kind of sort of two different lanes of reporting uh the on-track part plus the societal changes and what nascar is trying to do to be a part of that solution do you anticipate a point where those merge and they're no longer kind of sort of separate do you think they should stay separate so that one isn't lost over the other curious what you think i i have no expectations to be honest with you and that's not trying to pass off the question at all it's just that i think if we've all learned anything about this year is just you never know what's going to happen next. So I, I, I don't know how much in the forefront it will continue to be unless something comes up and makes news again, you know, like the president tweeting or, or something happening. I, I think after a while it will start to uh, quiet down and it will be just more of actions speak louder than words and are we going to see change are we going to see what they're doing type of thing and and maybe we do start to get more focused on what's happening on the racetrack personally i hope so just because we are as i wrote for this week on racer is that we're getting now in our stretch to set the playoff field and that's a really exciting time and you know i don't i don't want the playoffs and the championship to be overlooked and and you know, not to say that what's happening right now is not important. But again, I think after a while, you have to let it simmer down a little bit and focus on, okay, what are you really doing about it? Don't just talk about it, do something about it. And I know we've, we've all uh, have kind of felt similar about that. And and things that we've written and said on social media is you can't just talk about it, you have to do it. So I can kind of see that playing out of it, it, quiets down unless something happens someone says something that sparks up conversation again so i i'm hopeful that the sport is changing that things are being done 
that they are being serious. Drivers, teams, NASCARs, every, everybody is focused on uh, how they can implement change and what they're going to be doing going forward and that the racing is the racing and things are not as <laughs> not as crazy and controversial as they've been the last, as I said, 80-plus 80, 80 days. Chris, take us home on this topic knowing that Formula One, unlike NASCAR, uh, has not fleshed out what it's going to do to try and make a change, to try and do things. Is that an area of reporting for you since uh, this is largely undeveloped? Is this an area of reporting you want to you know, really dive into and make a regular part of your content? Uh, is there something inside you saying, let's just talk about the racing man? Uh, curious how you approach this. It was funny. I was talking to someone about this the other day, actually, and I really want to stop talking about it fairly soon. But on the basis that there is action being taken and we're at the point of we don't need to keep asking as frequently what's happening or what are you going to do, um, that it's just a given that there's actual progression towards um, a tangible improvement. And F1 has done some things. Um, it's started a, a commission up that um, Chase Carey put in the first sort of funding to help, um, he put a million dollars actually of his own personal money to help fund uh, scholarships and internships uh, for people from ethnic minority backgrounds to get into Formula One. Um, and that was like the primary goal of it. But then it was kind of like, yeah, we've put the money into it and now we'll work out how we're going to use it best. So there's research going on, but no, you know, no tangible outcome. Yeah. Um, Lewis has set up the Hamilton Commission um, to try and use STEM subjects to um, get people, uh, young uh, people from black backgrounds into um, science and engineering um, to really hopefully have a career within that domain, even if it's not Formula One itself, but certainly going down a path that would take them close to Formula One. And again, it, it, that's at the point of we're going to work out what we can do that will help that. And everything at the moment is a commitment to trying to, it basically is a commitment to research to try and find out what they can do better. Um, so we do need that next step. And that's the bit that I'm keen to keep following up on and keep reporting on is give us your kind of, okay, we've done our research. This is what we found out. This is what we're doing now to make that happen. This is what we've actually put in place. Uh, but once they do that, I want that to become something where you just check in every now and then and go, oh yeah, tell us how that project's going. Like It's going great. We've had... You know, 500 people come through or whatever. Um, I think if we're still reporting it as frequently as we are at the moment as a topic, then it's because there's still a big problem and there's not progress being made. That's my fear. So um, I'm only going to be happy for it to go quiet if it's going in the right direction. Uh, it's it's interesting because from a Formula One perspective, yeah, we've got back-to-back -back races here in Austria. So we're back at the track tomorrow just to run through everything that we did last week. And it'll be interesting to see what race brings then you know are they going to do the same thing are we going to do anything is it going to be a talking point um and i think it needs to be still because otherwise it does just smack of kind of like a, a token gesture if it was do it once before the first race and then never mention it again so um this we race is one hashtag we'll run through the season there'll be branding through the season on all cars i mean mccarran's livery even incorporates the rainbow logo um so there's there's some little things that will make sure it's still reminders everywhere throughout this year but we do need to make sure that we, steer, we see movement in the right direction. And if we do, then be happy to say, I don't need to keep asking questions on it all the time because I know what you're doing and I see where it's going. 
just in a super quick compare and contrast to say farewell here, uh, I can say that in the two series that I cover, Chris and Kelly, we haven't really had to be air quote bothered with those things because IndyCar (laughs) has done absolutely nothing at its two races and IMSA has actually done nothing whatsoever. So no on track, anything, no one wearing a t-shirt, no one taking a knee, no messages on the car, no special liveries, no support of anything. So I will look forward to seeing if there's something to happen. Uh, As you mentioned, Chris, happen in the first race back. We'll see if it continues in Formula One, and you hope so. We're still in IndyCar IMSA waiting for it to happen for the first time, if it might, Um, and see if and how that might incorporate into the reporting from there. Well, thanks for taking some time, y'all. Chris, you in Austria... We're doing our best here with Wi-Fi, some little dropouts where you'd go away for a second and then you'd come back with the full message, but set it about three times speed. So, man, you can talk fast, brother. And uh, Sister Crandall, thank you for just ongoing awesome work in NASCAR. As I mentioned before we started recording, not a big NASCAR guy. Obviously, I keep a very basic eye on it because it's in the world of racing, but really been reporting following your reporting here for those 85 plus days where you've been cranking out a ton of great content i want to say thank you to cooper tires the justice brothers torontomotorsports.com bell racing helmets usa look for more work from these crazy kids on racer here in the upcoming days and weeks